you still driving that car, Paul? Uh, yeah. Must be reliable. Well, I didn't drive it for a couple years because I got a less reliable car for fun. And then oh. after that became too dangerously rusty to be on the road. <laughs> I went back to my reserve car that I'd kept around, so... <laughs> But it, they're both, they were both 99s. It's a Monte Carlo, and then like I drove a Metro for a few years. And then once that was done, I went back to my Monte Carlo. Okay. All right, and, can, we get, can we get this thing going? All right, anyway. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is good radio, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. I'm Adam Gobeski. And with us today, we have two... What I, I dare say, special guest. We have a uh, regular on the show, Paul Wilcox, calling in via Skype. <laughs> Hello, great to be on the show. And Doug Gobeski, actually in Arizona. Also via Skype. Also via Skype, yes. <laughs> this means I have to leave in the part earlier where we talked about saying that. <laughs> um, no, you don't. Oh, all right. Our listeners are used to no context conversations. <laughs> so I understand you have a... Uh... A chip tasting you want to do live on the air? Yes, this is this is the case. Should we call it the Gobeski Chip Report? To kind of go with the theme we have of tastings on the show. What do you think, Doug? It's your baby in some regards. That doesn't sound like a terrible pun or play on words. <laughs> so no, then it's just chip tasting. <laughs> chip tasting with Charlie Wallace. You make it sound classy, like uh, chipping with Charlie guide. <laughs> Tasting yeah, guy. There you go. Chipping with Charlie. Today we have. Uh, There's my chippy. <laughs> I want a theme song for that. <laughs> Chipping with Charlie. I want to be very Charlie. like mellow. With like one of the like one of those like synthesizers that's just like. Chip. You know, like a like a, like an like an early morning TV show. Oh, okay. I got. I'll. I'll see what I can do in in post. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Today on shipping with Charlie Lay's BLT flavor. I found this yesterday. It's a uh, limited edition or limited time Is release. It? Have Is you heard it a limited edition? Does it say that on the bag? I don't have the bag anymore, actually. So because the, the the photo you sent me of right. the bag ahead of time didn't appear to be marked in any particular way. Kara had read it and said that it was a. Uh, a limited run. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we need to look this up. Charlie? Bag I'm seeing says classic BLT. Yeah, it's like a pinkish or purplish. Oh. What? It was like brown. Is it brown? I'm seeing I'm seeing a purple I and a brown, brown on Google. The photo you sent me is, oh, I guess it is a purple. Oh, it does say limited time on the corner there. Okay. Ah, because, yeah, there's oh. two different two different kinds here. Hold on. There are. So oh. it is kind of purplish? Yes. Okay. So, so it's not one of the old BLT ones, which I believe had a brown bag. Correct. It's a new. Yeah, because it's not a new flavor. No, I guess it isn't. I think it's just an old flavor coming back. Okay, because I have definitely had that flavor before. Oh, okay. Can we back up a second? Sure. How do you not have the bag? Did you take them out and pour them into some sort of like tub? <laughs> yeah, I'll take a picture of it. I put I put them in a separate plastic bag so that I would have some. <laughs> just to eat on the air? Yes. Because otherwise they were so good you would have just eaten them all? Correct. So you ch- <laughs> so you chose to dirty, perfectly good plastic bag instead of the one that it came in. Well, we, we spare no expense on chipping with Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Killing the environment with Charlie. <laughs> So I guess the air puff is not part of the review experience then. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the initial because that'll always turn you first. off of a chip every time. Like, whoa, that's true. This smells like fish. Yeah, and I am smelling it's like the chip yeah. fart. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you just like hold it right up to your face when you open it. Yeah, it reminds well, me of when I opened teeth. a bag of pork rinds in the car, <laughs> and Adam's like, "Paul, did you just fart?" <laughs> <laughs> That did happen. (laughs) (laughs) Shenanigans, the bits we didn't tell you. (laughs) Those bits hit the cutting room floor. That's all about horse rinds. (laughs) (laughs) So this is an unridged ship. It's got kind of like 
yes, red and green spices on it. It's not like particularly dark looking chip. It's just like vaguely red tinted, I'd say. But otherwise, it's kind of like, like sour cream. Like a barbecue chip. Uh, it's not as dark as a barbecue chip. It's like a quarter of the way to being barbecue chip looking. Like a pinkish sour cream and onion. Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a bite here. So I may have, I suppose, had this before. And I say that because I didn't know it was a flavor that existed like before this. And it tasted very familiar. And I was trying to figure out what style of chip this tasted like. Because it's a very, I guess, familiar taste for a chip. I mean, there's a, like a tomato. You can definitely taste like a tomato base. And mm-hmm. a little bit of the bacon. It's not very heavy bacon flavor. What about the lettuce? What does the lettuce taste like? <laughs> Tastes like wilted lettuce. Oh, good. <laughs> it's been left out oh. in the sun. <laughs> no, there's, there's no lettuce whatsoever. I mean, it might as left well be out BT. Of the Tuscan sun. <laughs> sun dried DLT. <laughs> sun dried. Is there lettuce. a toast flavor in there at all? I mean, it's crunchy, but no, nah, I don't think I'm really flavor, not texture. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Yeah, don't you put no. BL don't you put mayonnaise on your BLT? No. That's what monsters do. <laughs> Isn't it too dry <laughs> otherwise with the toast? That's part of the experience of a BLT. Is it, it shreds your mouth? Right. He's biting into it and going, Why do people like this? It's so dry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like copper. It's the oh, captive that's just crunch so of uh, of sandwiches. Because it just yeah. like, it just gives you lacerations. And it's not you people are terrible. <laughs> It's not overly like fla- I mean it's flavorful, but it's not like an in your face crazy bold flavor. So I'd say, you know, maybe a maybe a six and a half out of ten. Not my favorite. What is your favorite? Um I'd say probably like a sour cream and onion tend to be my tend to be my favorites. Most of those. Just Most go with some of the classic. Yes. Well, not every brand. Different brands. Yeah. Oh, we're talking like- Lay's. Yeah. You gotta well, stay yeah. in the brand. Yeah, yeah. The Lay's the Lay's ones. The non-ridged Lay's um, sour Why cream and onion. ridged your default chip? Maybe he likes ruffles. Well, that's what I'm saying. The, non, uh, the non-ruffled one is the one for at least sour cream and onion that I like. Right. It's not regular chips and ruffled chips for you. It's re- it's ruffled and non-ruffled. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I guess you can get those straightened out chips. <laughs> it's a special process an iron to unridge too. them. <laughs> yeah i got these chips today they they don't come in like a tall lean can where they nest all together <laughs> it's really interesting design of chips it's like the rejected chips <laughs> <laughs> the ones they couldn't get into that nice saddle shape <laughs> Did you, i also saw at the store that they have pringles as like a new like bold fa- flavored pringles which is in a smaller can because I guess the flavor is too intense or something. Well, it's probably the same amount of flavor, just less chip to go with it. <laughs> so it's condensed. Pringles condensed. Extra powdery. Tri- triple powdered. <laughs> It'll take you three licks to get to the center of this chip. <laughs> well, three, three licks to actually get to the chip. Three licks of powder. Yeah. That's the standard way to eat chips is to lick all the flavor off of them first. Right. And then hand the plain chip to the people who like plain chips. I used it's called to... sharing, people. Come on, try it sometime. You leave them out to so dry greedy. for the people who like dry plain chips. You know. Well, that's why... You start with the ruffled, right? And then you iron them when they're still wet from the licking to get them flattened <laughs> out. But then you have to re-season them if you want oh. a seasoned, unruffled potato. That, that's oh. what so I'm eating no right now. there's nowhere for that powder to hide anymore. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was so, a, another edition of Chip It With Charlie. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> but I don't think that's why we came today. <laughs> so why are have, we here? Uh, I do have a note on other chips, though. Oh, okay. As an aside, has anyone tried the uh, lightly salted barbecue lays? No. No. 
don't. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, they pretty much reduced, best I could tell, they reduced the amount of salt and didn't alter the flavor profile in any other way. So if you love tomato, you'll love those. But, ugh. Oh, they're like the ketchup chips. Pretty much. Mm. <laughs> Everyone's so down on ketchup chips. But they'll just happily dunk their french fries in the ketchup. I don't, so I'm ethically sound on this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> fry sauce? <laughs> or, or is it just straight poutine with you? You know, I just like the I just like the fry for what it is. Frosty? You know. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean if I oh, have okay. a shake of some kind, I'll be Okay. Dead. So you're not a monster. But if they're if they already have that ketchup on them, then someone else will have to lick it off first because I need the plain fry. <laughs> <laughs> These fries came pre sauced. Oh man. <laughs> oh, look at all this salt on. <laughs> I demand you take these fries back. Have one, have one of your employees lick off all of the ketchup. <laughs> Give it back to me. But don't let don't let them dry. I want them moist. <laughs> Just put them in a Ziploc bag so they stay nice, <laughs> nice and wet. <laughs> I really want a soggy fry. If you could like let those sit and then put them in a microwave, reheat them for me. That's really what I want. You said I could have it my way, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that wasn't actually the reason we came here to talk today. As fun of a diversion as that was. What are we here to talk about today, Charlie? This is number six in our Merry Marvel Movie March uh, review series. And we just watched the 1994 version of the Fantastic Four. Uh, Before we get into that, I have a a conspiracy corner segment I'd like to introduce. Cue theme. Mm. So I'm hosting trivia yesterday and it's a fairly typical game, you know, teams getting some questions right, getting a lot of questions not right, you know, very, very middling. And uh, this woman comes up to me afterwards and she says, so uh, is it possible to get these questions in other cities? And I said, what? And she said, well, so these questions are national, right? I said, yeah. So, so, like, people on the East Coast hear these questions, and they could potentially call their friends out here in Arizona and tell them what all the answers were. And I said, well, yeah, I guess they could, but that seems like a lot of effort for not a lot of payoff. And she said, well, things are getting very suspicious. (laughs) 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 I said, what? (laughs) So I attempted to explain to her that the scores that we see at Trivia are very much just your standard, typical, average scores. And there didn't appear to be any evidence of people cheating. Because I've seen how people cheat, and they don't cheat like that. But I just I just enjoyed the fact that she had evaluated the options and come to the conclusion that the only way teams could be beating her team and knowing things that she didn't know and her team didn't know has to be that they're calling their friends in Atlanta, Georgia, three hours ahead and getting the answers. (laughs) (laughs) You just confirmed all of her worst fears, Adam. (laughs) Yeah. I told Tony about it afterwards, and he said what I should have done was deputize her to do the investigation. (laughs) Yeah, so it's not my conspiracy, but it's one of my trivia patrons' conspiracies. So just passing it on to, to the wider world. It has one foot in reality, which is always good for a conspiracy to make it believable. Yeah, and one foot completely outside of reality. Right. Or else that it's not a conspiracy. Way, way too familiar. Oh, man, those <laughs> trivia rings. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make sure that people get those sweet $20 gift certificates. <laughs> well, they add up, right? So if you get one at every single trivia, or every single yes. trivia that's not in the... It would be in the Eastern time zone, right? Right. So that one's just a, a wash. You waste everyone's time there, but the hundreds of others you could potentially get split between the hundreds of people required for this conspiracy. She's right. Things are getting very suspicious. <laughs> That's the only way these teams could be getting only half the questions right. <laughs> Anyway, that's my conspiracy corner for you. But yes, episode six, <laughs> the, the legendary 1994 
Fantastic Four. Uh, one of the, I think what Paul said during the uh, the screening that we watched earlier, this is one of the classics of almost cinema. <laughs> <laughs> in, in that the, this, this is the release that was legendarily never actually released. And I have no idea why not. <laughs> so the rumor at the time uh, was that they had actually only made this movie to retain the rights to Fantastic Four and that they had never at any point had any intention of releasing it. Um, this seems actually stemmed from something Stan Lee said in an interview at one point. But that doesn't quite seem to be true because there were actually trailers for it and posters and advertisements. Uh, according to Wikipedia, what happened was that Marvel executive Avi Arad basically found out that this movie existed and bought off the producer and the director or the film company, whoever, to not release the film. He thought Fantastic Four was one of their flagship properties and he didn't want to see them ruined with a low budget film like this definitely was. Was that done after uh, editing and special effects was done or before? Um, so it sound the impression I got was that it was done either right after post-production or like during sort of like the tail end of post-production, like maybe it was a rough cut. I see. Yeah. Cause apparently they were going to have a premiere in like January, 1994. And then they just were like, no, no, don't do that. And I got to say, kind of watching the movie, this is actually the second time I've watched it. And my opinion didn't really change that much, which was just that watching this movie, I'm not a hundred percent certain why that was the case because it's not terrible. I thought, the thing that struck me most about it was the special effects weren't very good. I mean, it was sure. 94, but I mean, at that point, Jurassic Park was already out, right? I mean, not that everything has the same budget as Jurassic Park <laughs> does, but that's why I was kind of wondering if maybe the the whole thing got canned before like all of the special effects work was done, but I guess not. I mean, well, I yeah, mean, like comparable movies of the time, like Anaconda had some pretty sweet special effects, <laughs> you know, and that, yeah. that got a release for some reason. The Mask, The Flintstones was 94, mm. Cabin Boy was 1994. Oh, well, there, there you go. A turning point. Cabin Boy got released. Cinema. <laughs> you saying that you didn't like the special effects in Cabin Boy? <laughs> that CGI David Letterman was pretty impressive i must say (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean this clearly is definitely a a cheap film but uh i don't think it was like offensively cheap and i thought but oh no 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 like it had more of a direct to video vibe yeah budget wise you know like i remember commenting at one point while we were watching it that this really just felt like a made for tv fox movie of the night i think that partly wasn't helped by the fact that at least the version we watched was in full screen four three yeah. And like anything that looked like it was 169 appeared to be severely cropped. Hmm. So that yeah, led me that led me from to believe the 4-3. That, right. That led me to believe that this was intended at some level to be a 4-3 release, which is again weird from a theatrical standpoint in 1994, yeah, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. But story-wise, I mean, everything was pretty much there. I mean, it's pretty much the Fantastic Four story that we're used to. Yep. In uh, the other versions that have come since has Dr. Doom had his origin before the Fantastic Four? No, it's always been the same time. Uh, in the actual comic, it's before, but... Oh, okay. That's why I got a little confused on this one. I was like, is this... Or are they not going to go into space? What's going to happen here? Like when the experiment failed at the beginning of the movie. Right. So in the, ex- in, the, in the comic, Reed and Victor Von Doom are roommates at college. And Victor's like super arrogant and he's running this experiment. And Reed basically says, dude, you need to check these figures. They're way off. And Victor's like, whatever, I'm super smart. I don't need to do that. And the experiment blows up in his face and horribly scars him. That's why he has to wear like the mask and stuff. And and then later, uh, the Fantastic Four go up into space and get altered. Oh, so this is more true than to the comics. Yeah. Yeah. What? I thought it only like gave him like a small scar and then he... He was so vain that he uh, fashioned a mask to hide his face. And then because he was so crazy, he put the mask on before it was cool. And that horribly scarred him. Uh, that's a later version. But yeah, that's also. Oh, OK. Yeah, that's also true. So. So, yeah, I, I think in terms of like 
the comic book itself, this felt fairly similar to it. There wasn't like a radical departure or anything. This was basically, let's tell the story of the Fantastic Four. We'll streamline it a little bit. But so it seems like it seems like the sort of thing that would have made comic book fans relatively happy. But how would you guys think the actual movie went? Were you into it or were you totally checked out? I, I was some somewhere in between. Like I was I was into it, but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm uh, judging too much by modern marvel movie standards but it seemed like it took a while for them to like get their powers and like come to terms with it and then when they actually get them they spend most of their time trapped in a lab you know it just it seemed like it took a while to ramp up yeah well the movie was only 90 minutes as well so it was really short well that's true like it's not like they had a bunch of time to have like a big like middle section where they fully like unleash all their powers and then have like a dip and then a climax it's like they just kind of had to rise like straight into it. Right. I mean, the, I, I don't even know what near the beginning of the movie could have been cut out, really. I mean, if you want to tell the story in the way they told it, like were there a lot of extraneous scenes? I mean, maybe it could have been shortened a little bit. Uh, I mean, they probably could have cut the weird jeweler subplot oh, yeah. where there's this character <laughs> yep. who's the jeweler who lives underground and apparently is like the mole man and everything but name. Because he's like the leader of these outcasts who live underground and do weird stuff. Like that seemed like totally superfluous to like the entire movie, just about. Like I think the only thing that happened there that like directly affected anything was that he swapped out the diamond that the Fantastic Four needed for their spacecraft with a man-made inferior version. And it seems like you could have uh, tinkered with the script to make Victor Von Doom's uh, Lenny and Squiggly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, do it they were going to, right? So it's already there. They already had the setup. They just had to do it. They're like, oh, this other character yeah. that we don't need showed up, showed up to do it for us. It's like they wanted the jeweler to be in the movie and had to make up an excuse for that to happen. It's like, oh, it's a gigantic diamond. And then he kind of played the role. I mean, the only purpose that him and his gang really served was to, like, kidnap things right Um, (laughs) yeah and that whole subplot of thing being you know mad about not being you know about his new condition which i guess is an important part of the plot not the not like the most exciting part of it but i mean he could have just shown up at her apartment again to meet her right like there's lots of ways that they he could have met the blind woman again right other than her being kidnapped and him randomly showing up at the same place that she had been kidnapped at yeah like wasn't like masterminding that plan like the guy was just no. just one of his henchmen was like come with us we're a bunch of you know accepting freaks or whatever <laughs> the jeweler was really weird too because yeah he has this underground group of outcasts Right. And he's helping. It seems like he actually is helping them out. So he's doing a good thing, accepting all these people that society won't accept. They seem happy. And it, when he kidnaps the woman, he says, I've never asked you to do anything before. So that's like the first thing bad he does. Well, I guess he switches out the diamond, but I don't know. There's actually an OK side to him. Yeah, that's the first thing that he has the henchmen do instead of just getting his own hands dirty. Right. He was really, you know, he's really a Robin Hood figure when you think about it. I mean, he was hanging out in the sewer with the outcasts, stealing diamonds. From the rich. Yeah, yeah, you know, so he just stole the wrong diamond and then decided he'd expand to kidnappings. (laughs) You know, I got got this diamond. What's what's kidnapping? It's it's just a different kind of theft. (laughs) I'm already in. Diamond Heist is the gateway drug of the criminal underworld, huh? (laughs) Yep. So what do you guys think of the portrayals of the characters like? Do you think they did a good, the actors did an okay job or a bad job? Or I'm basically trying to get us to talk about Dr. Doom. (laughs) (laughs) It's played by Joseph Culp. (laughs) So was he continuing to do the voice when he became Dr. Doom or was that someone else? I think it's the same guy. Well, it was funny because he was obviously covered up when he became Dr. Doom and whoever was actually in the suit felt I like think it's, still ne- him. it's still him. Felt, he I, felt he was like credited. He felt like he needed to keep doing things, right? It's like, they can't see me emote. 
He got credited specifically as Victor Von Doom and Doctor Doom. Oh, nice. That's whereas good. whereas they had a separate credit for Ben Grimm and Thane because the Ben Grimm actor wasn't in the Thane costume. So yeah, mm. that leads me to believe that it's Joseph Culp, Don Draper's dad, Joseph Culp as oh. Doctor Doom, and oh. both. A lot of good hand work. A lot of good arm work <laughs> right. from, ah. from Dr. Doom. Uh, a hand emoting. <laughs> yeah. Like he's... Paul? Did we just lose Paul? Paul? I can hear you. Am I back? You're back. You're back. I, 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 I so pulled my USB Sorry. out because I got too excited. I actually <laughs> had to do emoting here on my couch. <laughs> Feel <laughs> the Zoom. can see the demonstration. <laughs> you know he's got like one arm like up and like one kind of below you know where his hands like coming down I, and he just holds it there for a long time like he's shaping clay with his fingers imaginary clay in his hands yeah there, there was two really weird motions he did one kind of like was like two fingers like kind of up near his lip it looked like he was smelling his fingers and then another one where he <laughs> he rubbed his tummy like he was he was hungry. <laughs> a bowl full of jelly. <laughs> right? It's like no, we did a new unique gesture, not just hand wringing and clay making. <laughs> but the thing is, I think I sort of appreciated that on some level. Because first of all, obviously, that's not a character that you can nuance very well, right? Like, that's a go big or go home character, it feels like. Yeah. At least particularly in this movie, the way they chose to make it. So, like, I can't, even though it was very, like, over the top and like scene chewing intensity like i don't know that i can actually fault him for those choices right that's all you can do otherwise it's the camera's just on the guy's face he's talking but you can't see him talking so yeah you got to do something and there's a lot of a lot of monologue in there yeah it just seemed like uh like i was entertained the whole time it didn't seem like there was a no point where i was like all right guys settle down yeah. i mean it was silly <laughs> but it wasn't you know you're right yeah. it was entertaining yeah I'm not particularly familiar with Doctor Doom or Fantastic Four in general, but uh, isn't Doctor Doom kind of just a pretty goofy guy? Like, doesn't he have kind of a quirky sense of humor in the comics? Uh, or am I just thinking of memes? You might be thinking <laughs> of you're memes. thinking of memes. I don't know that he has much of a sense of humor at all. So I I want you guys to go to Google and type in Doctor Doom trumpet. All right. Okay. On images and look at probably the first thing okay. where he's got I'm, this uh, horn. I'm typing. I just I'm going to Google right now. I'm gonna type in a <laughs> couple go, things. Gotta be images. Gotta be images. Doctor Doom Trump. True Cross. What the Doctor Doom Trump rally. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Doctor Doom Trumpet images. <laughs> this one that says toot. Yes. With, with uh, Namor. Do not use it. Fool. Dr. Doom does as he pleases. Toot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why am I looking at this? Because <laughs> he's being a goofball, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's like tooting on the sword. <laughs> it also really shows how in older comics, I feel like they used to take more liberty with the flow of time in a single frame because he's saying <laughs> that while he's tooting the horn. <laughs> Maybe it's like the bagpipes. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you just have to keep the constant flow of air, but you can, you can breathe <laughs> while continuing to play. Yeah. Uh, the other characters seemed all right though. Reed Richards. I mean, it's not like he's got much to do except be the nice guy, but he was probably the best out of those four. Well, I think he was also just the, probably the most experienced actor of those four. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I don't think I hate it. Honestly, I didn't mind any of them. The guy playing Johnny Storm seemed sufficiently excited, even at inappropriate times, which to me felt just like a Johnny Storm thing. Ben Grimm, like the guy playing him, was pretty good. And I actually thought the suit was actually, despite being fairly low budget, right? But given right. that yeah. constraint, I actually was reasonably impressed with the suit. Yeah, it was it was good at the resolution I was seeing. <laughs> <laughs> at the one twenty p. You know, it's it's not it's the kind of thing you don't need the Blu-ray of. Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely like a campy movie, but I, I felt like on some level, like they knew that when even when they were making it, like they knew that they weren't making a super serious treatise on uh, 
on superheroes. It's it seemed like they were setting out to kind of have like a fun, cheap time. That's all yeah. I thought. And I, and I thought that for me, uh, that attitude, assuming that's the attitude they were going for, because that attitude seemed to carry through on the screen. And even though that there were some subpar moments, like like the the really cheap CGI for Johnny Storm, full human torch, right? right. It was just it's like, oh look, we've discovered particle effects. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I just I really enjoyed how every time they uh, tried to get. They had Reed Richards stretch by just like having his like hand stationary as like bolted to the cameras. The camera pulls back and just like the sleeve just gets long or something. <laughs> like, I was very entertained by that yeah. cheap method. Yeah. It was always nice that, yeah, his sleeve or his pant leg would extend yeah. as his leg did. Yeah, for for a movie that's been sort of just like universally panned as being like legendarily unreleasable, I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah, it didn't seem unreleasably bad. It was just kind of regular. Like you said, seems like it should be a Fox TV movie. Just regular bad. Like it was certainly a finished product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I looked at the a lot of the comments under the YouTube video and the consensus seems to be that now that the other movies have come out, Everyone's like, well, it's way, <laughs> way better than those movies were. So I think maybe so, some of it is the context now of knowing like, well, what were they going to do? <laughs> they wasted their opportunity to do something better with the franchise. So so obviously we haven't gotten to the to the later ones yet. And we will. Well, but, we will. Uh, yes. My feeling is that like the two that came out in the mid 2000s were actually probably better than this. Yeah. But the one I that came out like a couple years ago was, I would say, worse than this. I would think I would rather watch this again than that. Except, of course, I get to watch it again. I get to watch the 2015 Fan Four Stick movie in like four years from now. Anyway, so hooray! <laughs> I guess there were a couple of love subplots in here, and they were all just really creepy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the scene with Reed Richards and Sue Storm, like, there's a ten-year gap right a flash forward so you see her as a kid saying oh he's so dreamy and then 10 years later she's still in love with him and he sees her and is like oh she's really hot now so i mean that's not unusual i mean we've (laughs) seen that come up in other movies but they just sit and in real life (laughs) yeah that's that's true it's been known to happen but do you have an example of real life happening that way uh i do but i don't want to bring it up because i'll get depressed Oh, my goodness. I have been apparently very fortunate in my life that uh, the the scene where they're in the house and the two of them are staring at each other and everybody's just kind of looking at them was was very much like, yeah, this uh, this very much seems like a low budget film sort of scene doesn't seem like the sort of thing that would ever happen in real life. Well, it's just how Reed Richards is all the time. Just attracts all the attention to him. No, he just he just stares at women without saying anything. (laughs) Oh, this (laughs) like it's just because of the power of editing that we were shown this particular reaction with Susan Storm. But he actually does this with everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's why no one else was so worried about it. (laughs) So the only the only thing we knew this 10 years ago. Come on. He always needs 15 seconds to process any face he sees. (laughs) (laughs) So really the only difference here is that Susan Storm is the overly attached girlfriend. Yes. Right. <laughs> that must be it. And they love each other just, just because. I mean, there's nothing else to that plot. It's like, oh, we love each other. There you go. And it yeah. comes up at the beginning, and then it comes up at the end, and they get married. That's a plot that feels like it came up because it's that's how it is in the comics. Right. <laughs> We're like, oh, we'd better, we'd better make sure we bring this up. And yet, uh, still a more healthy relationship than Ben Grimm and Alicia Masters. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. She meets him like once, you know, because he bumps into her in the hall, you know, knocks down her, her statue she'd sculpted, probably for a class or something. And like once. And the next time she sees him, she's like, I love you. She digs the rock. Love, love at first face touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is the. She's apparently irresistible because not only does Ben immediately fall in love with her and the jeweler falls in love with her, but the delivery guy is also in love with her. <laughs> I think every man she comes across dooms oh, a little bit handsy. thing? I could be. I don't know. I just thought every single love interaction was 
just creepy. Some intended to be, but <laughs> a couple not intended to be and still were. Dr. Doom and all the face touching. Yeah, it wasn't necessary, but. The only he... way he can emote. <laughs> <laughs> Creepily. <laughs> I'd like to see you emote with your hands non-creepily. Oh, God! <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is keep your hands away from the person's, like, face and or mouth. No, you immediately you, you can try do to it stick your fingers in their mouth. That's what it looked like everyone was doing in this whole movie. Everyone's, like, sticking their fingers in each other's mouths. It's just, just really bizarre. Can you taste the barbecue sauce from earlier? <laughs> I just had some potato chips. Would you like to share? <laughs> I don't have any chips left, but there's still some seasoning on my fingers. Got some powder for you. <laughs> I've been smelling it for a few hours, just saving it for you. <laughs> I actually had a lot of different chips, so it's like my fingers are all dressed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can relate to that. That's... <laughs> uh, yeah, so just small things that I was wondering. Did So does Sue Storm only do the force field one time? I think so. Like, I, I think the idea is that she's sort of realized that she can, she's developing her ability beyond just disappearing Yeah, I guess herself. She, she did seem pleased with herself, but from the audience perspective, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, she can do that, I know, from completely other material, right? Not from this movie at all. But then there was also the, usually in movies they use newscasts so that they can skip over having to establish plot. And this one, there was a newscast telling us something we already knew happened, which was that that woman got kidnapped. Like, why was that in there? There was like a couple of seconds where they were just, just to remind you that there's this other jeweler subplot where he kidnaps the blind lady. I don't know. I, I think that's why it's to remind you. <laughs> I don't know. It's a 90 minute movie. I'm not sure how much I need to be reminded about. Just in case you fell asleep. It was foreshadowing for the next scene where they go into the lair. That's how you make a movie. I mean, maybe they were going for like, oh, but he doesn't know because they he just missed it on the news. Oh, it's a dramatic irony. <laughs> yeah, something. I mean, he's going to find out in a couple minutes. But, you know. When did the song Ironic come out? Ooh, it would have been around oh. that time. Maybe 95? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 96. Oh. Well, 95, 96. So. All right. So maybe she was inspired by the movie rather than the movie <laughs> being inspired by her. <laughs> whenever I'm like, whenever I'm trying to guess like a time that a specific 90s song was released, I always feel like I need to make a BuzzFeed article that's like, you know, 30 songs that you thought came out in 1996, but really came out in 1997. <laughs> that, just, that just makes me think of the, the like BuzzFeed without the GIFs Tumblr. <laughs> oh. Where it's, like, it's like, oh, I love BuzzFeed, but those annoying pictures get in the way. So here's the text only version. <laughs> it's just, it's just 10 list items with no text in between. <laughs> some, of them are, there's, some of them are great. There was one that was just the word this 26 times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I think the other thing we were talking about during while we were watching was the music, which I think was an original score, but didn't quite sound that way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some pretty uncanny john williams lifts yeah it was very very john williams i mean there's a whole industry now doing specifically that like picking a song and then making another song that sounds almost exactly like it but different enough to avoid getting sued exactly wait when did this industry uh arise was it before or after the ruling against robin thick and pharrell oh before <laughs> music by the worst brothers david and eric worst but what were we picking out? We picked out several different Star Wars themes, right? right? So one I definitely remember from a lot of the battles was the TIE Fighter Attack. I'm looking up to get the official names of these right now. TIE Fighter Attack from Episode 4. Okay. Where they're shooting them down in the Falcon. Yeah. 
and so, uh, and then there's Luke and Leia's theme. I'm not sure if that's the exact. Um, Which one is that? Like that, uh, I think that's what it is. Like the do 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 do. For some reason, I feel like that's Han and Leia's theme. To me, that's an episode five. That's an Empire Strikes Back thing. What that feels like to me. But what? Okay. And some Jurassic Park. No, definitely. Yeah, that was that one was might have been the most blatant one. Well, they based their main theme on it. Felt like there was yeah. Little section that sounded like my heart will go on, but I realized that this is actually before that. Yes. No, Celine Dion is ripping this off. <laughs> <laughs> Very influential movie. Yeah, possibly the most influential, all, almost released movie ever made. <laughs> Just signaled a, a sea change in alternative and popular music. So overall, like, how would you think of the movie? Like, would you watch it again? Like, how would you rate it, I guess, since we're kind of doing this rating thing? How many things out of ten would you give it? Five things out of ten. Why <laughs> uh, five? Because uh, I gave Howard the Duck four and a half. And I liked it better than Howard the Duck because there wasn't anything that... there. Like, it was all, like, low quality, low budget, like, a lot of the acting really kind of felt like it was a rehearsal and not not a not a final take. Uh, but none of it really dragged on for too long. I like the I like the thing suit. They did a good good job on that. It, it certainly wasn't a good movie. It's not the sort of movie you you're, you're going to be like, yeah, this is my favorite movie. But eh, better than Howard the Duck. Not as good as The Punisher. Not as good as Captain America. So so what did everyone else think? Number wise. I would say, uh, yeah, higher than Howard the Duck, less than Captain America. So what so that I... puts you somewhere between three and six. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot to work with here. Somewhere between three, three and six things. Uh, about uh, five. I'd say five. I mean, I'm not sure I'd recommend it to somebody to see. I didn't hate it. I don't want that time back necessarily, but <laughs> I'm not going to tell the people that they should see it. I mean, it's sufficient just to say it's not as bad as everyone says. Yeah, I was very much surprised in that regard. I wasn't expecting a finished product, and this did feel like a finished product. What about you, Paul? Um. Okay, what did I give Howard the Duck again? <laughs> six? You gave Howard the Duck a six. You gave Captain America a seven. That, that doesn't leave you a lot of room on the bottom unless you actually liked Howard the Duck. You know... Which is possible. I think in just in terms of visceral enjoyment, I'd, mm-hmm. I probably would go, I'll say a six. I think it's right around there with Howard the Duck. I mean, maybe maybe even like a like five and a half things. Because I, I think I was just a little more engaged in Howard the Duck. It just had maybe some of it's, you know, I'm just a sucker for like the flashy high budget uh, special yeah. effects and the original musical numbers and stuff. I think I'd tie it with Howard at six, if only because I really enjoyed the soundtrack. <laughs> I felt like I was watching Jurassic Park, Star Wars, and Home Alone all at once. That was kind of cool. <laughs> now I just have a mental image of a velociraptor with its mouth open and its hands up against the sides of its head in that <laughs> classic Home Alone pose. Uh, yeah, for me, um, it definitely wasn't the greatest thing ever, but it wasn't the worst thing ever. Um, although... For sure, it was definitely low budget, and there's some moments where you're just like eye rolling. But I mean, I was entertained through. I think throughout the whole thing, there was rarely any moment where I was like so bored that I was like scrolling through my phone or anything like that. Um, so given that, I'd say probably I would put it on a par with Captain America. I'd probably give this five things out of ten, much like how I gave Captain America five shields out of ten. Hmm. So this for me, I think is probably a pretty solid five. I might go like five and a half, but that's only if you forced me. I'd probably just stick it at five, which is significantly better than I think I anticipated before I'd seen this movie. I expected this movie to just be as bad or worse as all the the stories seemed to suggest. And this wasn't bad. This was this was definitely there were definitely worse movies in 1994 that were released. Oh, Mm. yeah. But not Cabin Boy. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> hey, Cabin Boy was great. Yeah, I'm not trying to uh, put 
the Fantastic Four up against such a cinema classic as Cabin Boy. Mm-hmm. Put it up against the mask, maybe. Hmm. Would the mask hold up? Oh, it does not. It does not. Sure how does it hold up compared up to better? Ace Ventura Pet Detective? Oh, that is a 1994 release. Hmm. With its uh, gay panic uh, ending. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Which... Stargate was 94? Stargate Ooh. was 94. Uh, I think I'm going to have... Is there anything better that came out than other than Stargate? Like anything better than Stargate that came out in '94? That's if a Google good movie. Google is right. There's a lot. '94 was a big year. Forrest Gump movies. was '94, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek or, Generations. Or, North was '94. Oh well, something needed to balance out Forrest Gump. That is the movie that Roger Ebert legendarily hated. Oh, Rob Reiner. That's I'm the good. quote about I hated, 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 hated this film. <laughs> <laughs> Airheads was 94. That got a release. The Little Rascals got a release somehow. Camp Nowhere got a release. Trial by Jury got a release. What? Oh, that's not the Trial by Jury I'm thinking of. What are these things? I think I'm thinking of Trial and Error with uh, Michael Richards and Jeff Daniels. Yeah, Yeah, definitely some some terrible movies released. I swear every single movie on this list of like most popular movies in 94, like I saw like at the time. Like they're you know D two the Mighty Ducks Angels in the Outfield the Little Rascals mm. Little Giants you know like all of these childhood staples <laughs> Richie like Rich just bombarding yeah oh my god yeah. Street Fighter was ninety four can can you remember anything else you did in ninety four maybe this was all you did I think I just <laughs> I went to I think I saw a lot of movies <laughs> my mom that left me in the movie theater must have been our family forgot activity. me for a year. <laughs> And then That's there's how all I saw Beverly Hills Cop three times. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Beverly Hills Cop three, three times. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop nine. <laughs> City Slickers two. Yeah. Blank check. Blank check. Wow. Again, don't know. Death Day five. Out. Okay. In light of the in light of what did come out, um, I think I'm gonna have to say that I believe the story. That uh, the Marvel guy was like, yeah, I want something with a bigger budget, you know, something higher quality for one of our flagship properties. That makes sense to me because it's like it's not like it's a bad, bad film. It's more just like, no, we think our property deserves something better. What, 10, 11 years, whatever, a decade, a decade or so later, they actually did with the Fantastic Four. So. Interview with the Vampire was 1994. Mm. Did you know, Tom Cruise didn't even know he was in that vampire movie until three years later. <laughs> <laughs> Little Big League. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Speed. Major League Two. Yeah. <laughs> Page Master. And it could go on 33 and a third. Oh, the, the air up there. Kid. The air up there. Capitalizing on the uh, the cool runnings wave of going to other countries and starting a sport that is not popular there, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, Are you getting this all down, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Taking it's, notes. So, it's yeah. Well, we haven't outroed yet, so oh. <laughs> this all has to we- therefore stay in the podcast. We can just keep reading list of American films of 1994 if we want. If we need more material, say that could just that could just be a spinoff podcast. This episode we're doing January of 1994, reading every movie that came out. (laughs) You're listening to Cinematic Respect. (laughs) Honorable mentions edition. Class of Newcomb High 3, the bad and the subhumanoid, clean shaven, clean slate, clear and present danger, clerks, the client, Clifford. That's a that's an underappreciated film right there. I actually like clean slate. The one with uh, Dana Carvey, where he has amnesia. Like every time he goes to sleep, he wakes up and he can't remember what happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's a James comedy. James that yeah, was really it's, good. That's like a, a funny yeah. memento. <laughs> not the memento's not funny, but I know I think memento and laugh. So <laughs> well, anyway, thank you very much for joining us for our sixth installment of our Merry Marvel Movie March. Uh Adam, what do we have up next? Next up is 
actually a good film. So, oh. so hooray. Like, objectively. The 1997 movie Men in Black. Ooh. Which is tangentially Marvel, but it it does say Marvel in the credits, and we will deal with that tangentiality when we get there. Is tangentiality a word? It is now. It's out there. Men in Black next. (laughs) Well, thank you very much to our guests, uh, Paul Wilcox and Doug Gobeski. Thanks for having me. And I was, as is your host, Adam Gopreski, wishing you a fantastic rest of your life. That sounds ominous. I didn't know if they were going to listen to it during the day or night, so I couldn't pick between day or night, so that left me with life. Now I just got to figure out which 1994 movies I'm going to fall asleep to tonight. <laughs> My vote is uh, Little Giants. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Good or one. Clifford. Richie Rich. Ooh, Richie Rich. Maybe you could have them all play simultaneously. That's our show. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook, just like the Gobeski Wallace Report. And you can also follow us on Twitter, at GW Report. And check out our website, thegobeskywallacereport.com. That's probably the important bit. Well, yeah, I guess all the other links are there. So if you remember one thing, remember that. Not your name, but GobeskiWallaceReport.com. <laughs> More important than your name. So, yes, uh, episode six of our Merry Marvel Movie March, as I pound on a keyboard. <laughs> yeah, no, look it up. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. That's a good bet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, episode six. <laughs> Someone send me this clip later. Uh, <laughs> well, well, you can send me that scrap. Just, oh, that'll, just that'll be the tag, use. so just wait for the review. <laughs> for skip your, to the end. For your ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just let me just look it up. Okay, I'm typing now, and I'm gonna move the mouse a little bit, and just do a little bit of little bit of typing right here. Okay, and just got a clicker clicker two. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's why that's why the chip chip reviews need to be ASMR. Can be like, okay, now I have classic BLT. <laughs> <laughs> I really want a version of that with kettle cooked chips, which is, all right, now this is a kettle cooked chip. Crunch, crunch, crunch. (laughs) It's in a compostable bag. (laughs) I am not, in fact, in a hurricane right now.